0: Welcome to episode 17 of In the Abstract, the Lakeland Title podcast. I'm your host, Brian Johnson, the founder and owner of Lakeland Title. And for this episode, we're going to talk about things that buyers and sellers can do to make their closing as smooth and easy as possible. Uh, You know, we like to say around here, close easy. So we try to do as a company everything we can do uh, to make your closings as smooth and easy as possible. And here are some things that you can do, either if you're a buyer or a seller, uh, to kind of help that process as well. So we're going to start off with uh, sellers. So for sellers, the first thing is, is everyone going to be able to attend the closing? So everyone that's an owner of that property that's being sold, are they all going to be able to attend the closing? If not, that's something you're going to need to let the title of company know early, uh, because we can get powers of attorney, we can send the documents to wherever particular people are. If one or both, or however many owners aren't going to be at the closing, we can send the documents where they are, and they can be executed there and sent back to us. Uh, it's very simple. I mean, drafting a power of attorney is not a very difficult thing, but it's something that takes some time. So it's not something that can be done immediately. So you're gonna wanna let the title company know that early so they can coordinate getting all that done. So there's no delay in the closing. And it's not something you have to worry about the last minute uh, when the closing date is approaching. Um, The next one is have all the owners of the property sign the purchase agreement. So anybody who owns that property, they need to sign off on that purchase agreement. It's something that has to be done uh, at least at the closing. So if everybody hasn't signed, by the time we get the closing day, when they show up to the closing, they're all going to have to sign that. So we have you know a documented record that they actually intended to sell this property. Also, if there are some owners that didn't sign that purchase agreement, are we really sure they're on board for the sale? Because uh, that could be a huge issue if that just popped up on closing day that they weren't on board for the sale and nobody knew that. They thought they were, but they never signed that purchase agreement. So you don't really know. So get all the owners to sign that purchase agreement so that we know that everybody's on board with selling this property and there are no hiccups later on. Um, the next thing is gonna be going to be the wood destroying insect report. Uh, this is commonly called a termite certificate, but it covers other kinds of insects, not just termites, but that's what people commonly call it, but it's, it's really a wood destroying insect report. And this is uh, generally the uh, seller's responsibility to get that report done. It's very simple. You just call a pest control company, tell them that's what you need, they'll come out and they can do it pretty quickly, but they can't do it immediately. So it's not something you wanna wait and try to take care of. Uh, on closing day or very close to closing day you want to get that taken care of uh, as soon as you you know possibly can or you know within a week of closing would be fine but uh, you don't want to wait till the last minute on that because it is something that their pest control companies are doing those all day every day but you don't want to wait till the last minute just because they might not be able to come out there you know as quickly as you need them to the next one is uh, reviewing your closing disclosure so the closing disclosure is the document that you're going to be sent. Uh, that's gonna outline where all the money in the transaction is going. So all the money for a real estate closing comes into my escrow account, which is an audited account, uh, That and all the money goes out from that escrow account. And the closing disclosure shows where all the money's coming from and where it's going. And so that's really just details every dollar in that transaction, where it's going, who it's going to. And so you're gonna wanna review that. You should get it uh, at least a day before closing. Sometimes you may get it earlier than that or maybe a little bit later, but you'll get it before closing. It just kind of depends. If there's a lot of last minute changes in a closing, sometimes that closing disclosure is late to go out, but you'll get it before closing. And so you're gonna wanna look over that and make sure you understand what all the fees are and that the fees are correct. And if you have any questions about the fees, you can ask those before the closing, or you can just make a note of that and ask it at the closing, what is this fee? What is this for? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, It'll just make things a lot easier at the closing if you come in with all your questions answered or you know what questions to ask and you're not just looking at that closing disclosure for the first time when you show up at the closing table. And uh, the last one for sellers is gonna be unopened successions. So successions are what we call probate in Louisiana. So if there's one of the owners of that property has passed away, and no one ever started that process. You're going to want to do that before you list the property. So you're at least going to want to start that process and have you know an executor or administrator of that estate appointed so that they can sign the listing agreement. Or you're going to want to have the whole succession property completed so that the actual true owners of the property can sign off on that listing agreement. Uh, so it's something you don't want to wait to the last minute to do. I and mean, you don't really you really don't want to list a property if you haven't started that process because it can cause a lot of problems and can cause a lot of delays. So, you know, best case scenario, you know, that process would take two weeks at the very best, you know, rushing it and pushing things really hard. Worst case, it could take months. So, you know, generally they take about a month, uh, but it's something you want to handle early. So ideally before you list it, you want all that finished, or you at least want to start it before you list the property so that that uh, administrator of the state can sign off on the various documents and, you know, it makes everything you know nice and legal. Now for buyers, um, Again, you're going to want to make sure that everyone signs that purchase agreement, because just like with sellers, you want to make sure that everyone who's buying the property, they're on board, because maybe somebody said they wanted to go in on this deal with you, but then maybe things change, but you want to make sure that they sign off on that property agreement so it's clear that all the buyers are on board, because, I mean, it has to be done at some point, you know, especially if you're financing, the lender's not going to let you close unless it has a copy of that purchase agreement that's signed by everybody, all the sellers, all the buyers. So it has to be done anyway, so might as well just get it taken care of you know right when you put in that offer have everybody you know sign off on it so you don't have to worry about it later uh, and again same thing with that we said with sellers is everybody going to be able to come to the closing or all the buyers going to be able to come to the closing if not you just got to let the title company know cuz we can do powers of attorney we can send the documents where they need to go and have them executed at another location wherever that other buyer is uh, it's not a difficult thing to handle but it does take some coordination so you're going to want to let them know early if somebody's not going to be able to make it to the closing your down payment or closing funds. So we call it a down payment. If you're financing the deal, we call it closing funds if you're paying all cash. But either way, the only way those funds can be given over to the title company and put in that escrow account where all the money comes into and goes out of, uh, the only way you can deliver that to them is either by wire or by cashier's check. So you can't write any kind of personal checks. You can't you know, roll up with a big duffel bag full of cash. It has to be either wire or cashier's check because everything has to be traceable in these. Uh, real estate transactions, uh, and then there's uh, the walkthrough. So you're allowed to have that walkthrough before the closing to make sure the property is in the same condition as it was when you signed that purchase agreement. And you're going to want to do this uh, at least a day before. Uh, if you want to do it two or three days before, that's even better. But at least a day before. Uh, not something you want to do the morning of closing or on the way to the closing. Just because if there's any issues that come up, if there were some repairs that were supposed to be done that that weren't done. It's easier to handle those if you have a little bit of time and it's not something you're trying to handle at the closing table or an hour before closing, you know, cause if there was, for example, if there was a repair that wasn't done, that was supposed to be done, we can hold back funds in our escrow account and get everybody to sign an agreement where either that repair is done or that money goes to the buyer to make the repair themselves, or there's various ways to work it out, but it's just better if you have that information and you know that that's something you're gonna have to deal with or sooner rather than later. So a day before, you know, is okay. Couple days before, even better, but definitely try not to do that unless it's absolutely unavoidable to do that morning of closing or on the way to closing, because that just cutting it a little close. And then the last one for buyers is that you're going to want to make sure you have all your financial documents together uh, if you're getting a loan uh, for this property, because your lender is going to want to see a lot of your financial documents. So you know your tax returns, your you know W twos, your 1099s, pay stubs, all that kind of stuff. They're going to want to see those things, but also anywhere that money's coming from, the lender has to be able to trace that. So, you know, if you had your down payment funds sitting in your bank account for months, that's not a big deal because they can see it's been sitting there. But if, you know, say your down payment money is a gift from grandma or a gift from mom and dad or something like that, and that money just shows up in your account, you know, a few weeks before closing, the lender is going to want to know, okay, where did this money come from? They have to be able to see where everything's coming from uh, because, you know, they need to make sure it's not some kind of, you know, money laundering scheme or anything like that. Part of their rules and regulations is they have to know where all the money is coming from. So if something like that just pops up, they're gonna wanna know where this money come from. And if you have that stuff ready uh, ahead of time, you can just, you know, quickly respond with, oh, here, this is where it came from. You know, here's the, the paper trail on it and it won't delay the lender and won't delay your closing. So now for both parties, Uh, You're going to want to remember to bring your ID because everybody who's signing, so all the buyers and all the sellers, they have to have some form of photo identification that is government issued. So the most common are your driver's license or a state ID card or a passport. Now, if you don't have any of those, it's still okay. We can still do the closing, but you're going to want to call the title company ahead of time and say, I don't have any, you know, I don't have a state ID card. I don't have a driver's license and I don't have a passport. What else can we use? And the title company will be able to tell you, okay, we can uh, use these other forms of identification. And usually it'd be, you know, two other forms of identification that can substitute for that one, uh, you know, that one ID or driver's license or passport. So, you know, it can be worked out. It's not a big deal, but it's not something you want to deal with when you come to closing because then you may not have the documents that they need with you. So it's something you're going to want to tell the title company ahead of time. So, that you can get those documents together that they need that they're going to need to see to verify your identity. Because we have to verify everybody's identity when they're signing off on these real estate transactions so that nobody's pretending to be somebody else or trying to forge somebody's signature or something like that. So, that's why we have to have ID for everybody who's signing off uh, on the transaction. And then um, also utility transfers. So, if you're the seller or the buyer, you're going to want to reach out to each other and discuss okay, when are you? turning off the utilities so that you as a buyer can get them transferred into your name so there's no interruption in service cuz the last thing you want is you you know leave the closing and you show up to the nice new house you bought and there's no water and there's no power and it's you know hot in there or cold in there and uh, it can just kind of ruin the whole experience but if you know that ahead of time that they're going to be you know shutting off those utilities on closing day you can call a couple of days before and get them transferred into your name so there's no interruption in service so when you show up to your new house it's all comfortable ready to go you can have a fun time you know, unpacking boxes or whatever, having your housewarming party. And then another one is, uh, if this is going to be a back-to-back closing, meaning if you're a seller, you're using those proceeds to go buy another house that's closing with a different title company, or if you're a buyer, if you're, you know, we're selling some other property and using that to buy this new place at some other title company, you're going to want to let both title companies know that Uh, because it's not a big deal. Back-to-back closings happen all the time. It's extremely common for someone to use equity from the house they're selling to go buy a new place. Uh, And so title companies do this all the time, but if we know about it, we can talk to each other and we can coordinate so that neither closing is delayed. Because, you know, clearly if one closing is delayed, the other one's going to be delayed also. So if we know, you know, that there are two title companies involved, back-to-back closings, we can talk to each other, we can coordinate everything, we can be on the same page, and it'll just make it a lot less likely that there's some kind of delay or some kind of hiccup that screws up everybody's closings. And that has actually happened, you know, a good few times. So I mean, it's not an uncommon situation for one closing to screw up another. But if we know about that ahead of time, we can kind of, you know, try to head it off at the pass so it doesn't happen, and everything just goes ahead smoothly. And so earlier I'd mentioned uh, that funds can be wired to a title company. Title companies can also wire out the funds. So if you're the seller and you want your proceeds wired out to you, that can happen. But you always need to verify the wire instructions. So if you're a buyer and you're going to be wiring in money to the title company, you're going to get wire instructions from the title company. Now, you're going to want to call the title company at a number that you get from some other place like, you know, go to their website or some other independent source, get their phone number, call them, and verbally verify that the wire instructions that you have are their correct wire instructions. And uh, the same thing with this, if you're you know, a seller and your proceeds are being uh, wired to you from the title company, make sure they call you. And if they don't call you, you call them and make sure that they have the correct wire instructions for you. Because a, a kind of a trend in the hacker community is they will target title companies or realtors and intercept emails with wire instructions, change the wire instructions, and then send the email on so that you know whoever's getting that email, the wire instructions, think they're the true wire instructions, but really it's the wire instructions for the hacker's account. And so you'll see it happen. It, it happens more than you think that you know a title company will wire out money and they'll you know have gotten that hacked email and they think they're wiring it to the seller but really it's going to a hacker or a buyer will think they're sending their down payment funds or all their closing funds if they're paying cash they, they'll think they're wiring that into the title company but in reality it's going to some hacker and once that wire is gone unless you catch it basically instantaneously it's extremely hard to get it back. Basically, you know, it's almost impossible to get it back once it's gone, unless you catch it right away. And usually you don't catch these things until at least a couple hours later. Uh, but usually it's a couple of days later is when you catch that the wire went out to the wrong place and then that money is just gone. And so you know, title companies like mine, we have insurance that will cover those kinds of situations, but you as an individual, so if you're a buyer sending that money into the title company and you got some hacked email with the wrong wire instructions, I mean, that money's just gone and it's, you know, it's horrible to see, but it has happened before. And so, you know, that down payment money that you've been saving for years, or if it's a cash deal and it's all the money you had that you were using to buy this house, it's just going to be gone. So you always want to call to a number that you get independently and that you know is the correct phone number, call that title company and verify those wire instructions before you send any money to them and make sure you have the right wire instructions and sellers make sure that title company calls you and verifies those wire instructions before they send you any money. And if they don't call you, you call them because you don't want that money to just disappear. And you have to either, you know, deal with the title insurance company's insurance company to, you know, have that claim or just, it's just much easier if you just make that five minute phone call. I know it can be a pain sometimes, but we do it every single time. We never send out any wires unless we verbally verify to a known number that we get independently that we know is a verified number, we always call and make sure those wire instructions are correct before we send out any wires, because we don't want anybody's money disappearing into some hacker's account. And we've had people try it to us before, people have tried to get us to send to wire out money, you know, to to their hacker account by impersonating a seller on a property. And you know, we, you know, we have our procedures, and we caught it immediately. And we reported them to the FBI. I don't know whatever happened to those people. But we reported all, all their information to the FBI, you know, that they were trying to trick us into wiring them money. And so it it does happen. And You know, so personal experience, we've experienced it. So don't let it happen to you. Uh, the next one is, this is a big one. Uh, it happens all the time. There will be some unpaid judgment in the land records that will have to be taken care of. So any judgment that is filed in the land records that attaches to any property you have now, and also any property you acquire later. So if you're a seller, that judgment you know that maybe from that college credit card that you didn't pay off, that has to be taken care of at closing. And the same thing with the sell with the buyer, if you had some judgment on there, that's going to attach to that property. And so if you're financing that property, the mortgage lender is not going to let you buy that house if there's some judgment sitting out there because that judgment will go ahead of their mortgage because that judgment was filed first in the land records. And the the mortgage company is not going to allow that. They want to be first in line, so they want to be the first thing attached to that property, not some credit card judgment or whatever it is. Uh, and you're going to want to take care of that. the The title company will tell you if this pops up, but usually, if you know it's out there, take care of it early uh, and try to, you know, contact them yourselves. Because if I call a debt collector, uh, you know, or some creditor and start asking for a payoff quote on some judgment, they know why I'm calling. Either somebody's selling their house or they're buying a new house, and so they kind of know they have you over a barrel, and so they're not going to really negotiate, you know. Anything. They're just going to say this is exactly what's owed. This is every penny of interest, every late fee we can charge, every court costs we can charge. This is everything. Here's the payoff. Take it or leave it. But if you call and you don't tell them it's because you're buying or selling a house, they may negotiate with you and they may, you know, knock off some interest, knock off some late fees, waive some court costs, something like that, uh, to make it a little, you know, save you some money on that uh, getting that judgment paid off because it will need to be paid. So either we're paying, you know, the maximum amount at the closing or you know, you're negotiating something cheaper and saving yourself a little bit of money, but there's no way to avoid it. It's got to be paid because we can't, you know, transfer that property until all the judgments are clean, so that the seller is selling a property with nothing attached to that property, and that the buyer is getting their property free and clear. There's nothing that's going to attach to it. You know, the minute that property is recorded. Now, after the closing is over, uh, there are some things you're going to want to keep in mind. Also, you know, the closing has already happened, so it really doesn't have much to do with making it an easy closing or a smooth closing, but just things, you know, to keep in mind some helpful tips, uh, the homestead exemption. So if your state has a homestead exemption in Louisiana, the first $75,000 of value is not taxed on property taxes. So that's, that that is exempt. So that homestead exemption can save you a lot of money, but you have to apply for that. So you have to go to your local assessor or, you know, however your state does it and apply for that. And so you're going to want to remember to do that after the closing, you can generally wait, you know, two weeks or so just to give the, the, Uh, transfer time to process and get in all the systems, Uh, but you're going to want to take care of that because it's a substantial savings that you don't want to miss out on. The other thing is tax notices. So sometimes the tax rolls don't get updated uh, instantaneously or, or, you know, sometimes it takes them a while to update the tax rolls. So the tax notices may be getting sent to the previous owner. So in Louisiana, most parishes, the taxes are due on December 31st, so if December 31st is getting close and you haven't gotten that tax notice yet, you're going to want to you know, go online or call up uh, whoever the tax collector is. Generally, that's the sheriff here in Louisiana. And, you know, make sure that those tax notices are being sent to you at your correct address and make sure those taxes get paid. Uh, if you're escrowing your taxes and insurance through your lender, they'll make sure the taxes get paid uh, so you really don't have to worry about that. But if you it's just a cash deal and you're paying your own taxes and insurance, if you don't get that tax notice and the tax deadline is approaching you're going to want to just remember don't let that date that deadline pass and your taxes go unpaid uh because it could get sold at a uh, tax sale if you let it go too long without paying it but also there's going to be penalties and interest that are going to start to accrue and so you're going to be paying more than you really need to if you can just you know remember that maybe you know if you just bought this house that tax rolls might not get updated, and that tax notice might be going to the the previous owner, who may you know just forget about it or whatever, and or forget to send it on to you, or you know maybe they're just not even checking their forwarded mail anymore. Who knows? But so just remember that. Don't let that tax deadline uh, pass. And sometimes they won't send you the notice because they they won't realize that someone new owns the house. Uh, and the other one is if you bought new construction. So a lot of states have a new home warranty act. We have one in Louisiana, and so there are certain things that are covered under that new home warranty act. But there's time deadlines for that New Home Warranty Act. So I did a whole episode on the New Home Warranty Act for Louisiana. So if you're buying new construction in Louisiana, you can listen to that episode and it'll tell you what all the deadlines are. You can put little calendar reminders in your phone to remind you when those deadlines are coming up so that you don't miss out any on any of those warranty coverages and get any repairs that you're due uh, from the builder for new construction. And then the last one we'll go over is if you're a seller, you're going to want to tell your old lender, if you had a mortgage, tell your old lender... Where your new address is. So, you know, tell your lender where you're moving so that they know where to forward any kind of, you know, statements about your paid off mortgage because your mortgage is going to get paid at the closing. But sometimes, you know, the payoff quotes are not totally accurate. And so your lender's not going to take more money than they're owed. So, if there's any money extra or any money left over in your taxes and insurance escrow account, they're going to mail you a check for that. But they need to have your new address because they don't, you don't want to go into the old address because maybe it doesn't get forwarded or maybe the new owner. You know, just thinks it's junk mail and throws it away or something like that. So you're gonna want to make sure that your old lender on that mortgage that's being paid off has your correct address so that they can send you any kind of documents or you know, hopefully a check for a little bit of refund or anything like that. They can send it to your correct address and so that you get that. So I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. I hope you found it entertaining and informative. Uh, You know, please let us know if there's other content you'd like us to do videos about. We'd be happy to do that and. You know, if you're listening to us on a podcasting platform, you know, please give us five star rating and subscribe. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please uh, like this video and subscribe, so that you can you know keep up to date on what's going on on the various real estate topics that we cover. We're gonna try to get some people in for interviews soon. Uh, we just have had, you know, kind of a little bit of trouble coordinating that we're going to work on that. If you need to contact me or my company, all my social media links and contact information are in the description, in the description of the show. So you can look those up and we'll see y'all next time.